We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode 56. I'm Rando. I'm Corey. And this is the What a System episode. Well, it was quite a system. My gosh, wasn't that amazing? Something for everybody. Yeah, I mean, this particular system was really powerful. I mean, I think uh, everybody saw the graphic that I posted. I was... I was kind of having fun with that graphic. We had like big blizzard to our northwest going up through Kansas, uh, southeastern Nebraska, Iowa, with some of them places got like 13, 14, 15 inches of snow. Yeah, I mean, I have some friends on Facebook who uh, had to wait on, on even even this morning, had to wait on the plow in order to go to work. So Wow. Mm-hmm. Where, where were they? They were, I think they're in Wisconsin, actually. Yeah, 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 it, it, yeah. Lot, lot, it just kind of went up, up there. there. Yeah. yeah, and then on the on the flip side, that was to our northwest. Now to our southeast, the Storm Prediction Center popped a moderate risk of severe weather, and they had a lot of tornadoes down there. They did. One one was a uh, an EF three with a fatality in Columbus, uh, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, they were targeting Mississippi, and and we got to mention that you remember last week. We were talking about the Storm Prediction Center. They were trying to plot this day six, and it was kind of southern Missouri. Well, and they plotted a large area, which I don't blame them, because yeah. that thing can shift, and they don't know exactly what's going to happen. But, I mean, where the tornadoes were was barely in their very uh, first mention of, of of the severe, like, five days out or six days out. Yeah, yeah. But it kept kind of, they, they were shifting it. You know, east, southeast, southeast took us totally out of it toward the end. But yeah, which was smart, and that's why, uh, really, that's why I didn't post anything because other people were posting and saying, "Ooh, this is going to happen." It's like, no, I'm not going to get people all riled up for something six days out that is going to change, and it did. Well, people are going to get riled up if they want to get riled up because they'll get that information somewhere else from people who want to rile you up yeah but we're here to give you what we really think is going to happen we're not here to scare anybody and we know we've had several people comment on that is because we're going to give it to you black and white no hype and and that's what we do that's what we pride ourselves on and you're right and if, if people want to do all this you know gfs model 18 days out and big snowstorm and ice and crippling whatever go ahead but that's not what we do if you if you want to be worried about it, or if you should be worried about it, we'll let you know. That's the whole right. idea of our thing. You know, if, if, what, what is the phrase? If we get tingly, you get tingly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, between those two systems, I mean, you know, we mentioned the Northwest, those major, major uh, snowstorm and blizzard. Oh, I got to tell you the other night, I thought it was funny. I texted you. Um, I was watching Earth Cam, and they have a, uh, one of the cam sites is Cavalier, North Dakota, and I was laying in bed, and I did my little parade of that, and I went up there to uh, Cavalier, North Dakota, and they had snow on the ground, but, man, you could see that wind just whipping everything around. It's pretty flat out there. They get that a lot, I bet. Oh, in North Dakota? Yeah, well, the mid upper Midwest, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of wind up there, I'm sure. Oh, I'm yeah, exactly. Well, in that whole storm system... The, the, the center of it kind of went up eh, kind of middle of Kansas into, what is it, southeastern Nebraska through, through Illinois. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the major snow portion of this thing 
was on the, the north and northwest portion of the actual storm center. So that that would make sense that it would go up there. But still, this thing was so powerful. Now think about it. That low that went up through the northern states dragged a cold front down. Plus, we had a dry line and a triple point, and that's where all the tornadoes were. This was a very dynamic system. I thought it was cool because, well, this is the day after it went through, and it was so windy, remember? And yeah. I was on windy.com, and you could see exactly all uh, the low, and all the wind across the entire Midwest was oh. centered around that low. It looked like a vortex of, like a big black hole on there, and it was really cool. Throughout the whole nation. Yeah. I mean, you know, that is a powerful storm system. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I got to tell you also, which I thought was really, really strange. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, I did not take a Claritin today. Uh -oh. I apologize. Um now, was it Sunday that it was really, really windy here? Is that? I was believe it Saturday? so. Yes, on Sunday. W well, we were waiting. The wind was coming up, and it was cold, mm -hmm. rather cold, like 40s or whatever. And in the morning, we had massive fog. <laughs> Talk about all seasons. Massive fog in the morning, calm winds, about 40, 41, and we knew it was going to move through. We knew the wind was going to kick up, and I looked at my barometer. That's the really cool thing. I looked at my barometer that morning, like 10 o'clock, something like that. It was 29.98, which is right kind of in an average, if you call it that. In two hours, that wind came up, the temperature skyrocketed, the clouds cleared out, and the barometric pressure fell to 29.38. Wow. 0.6. That is a rapid fall. And if, if you're very attuned to weather situations and meteorology, wind transfers from pressure to pressure, high pressure to low pressure. So we had this powerful front come through, and it just dropped all the temperatures, and the wind went up, and the barometric pressure plummeted. So I thought that was cool. Okay, that reminds me of something. Uh, in Mississippi, now I don't have the numbers on this, but this actually happened in Mississippi, uh, one of the tornadoes was intercepted with a uh, a tornado. Have you ever seen Twister where they have they put those modules in in the path of a tornado and they go up in the tornado? Oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. They did it. They did it, and they recorded the second lowest pressure in a tornado ever. No and way. And it was extremely low. And I don't have the numbers in, in front of me, but. We do need to look that up because it was really cool. Oh, maybe we can do that during the weather school. We can. Oh, we got to write that down. I'll write that down. Pressure tornado. Okay, you're looking it up now. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah the wind. My goodness, that wind. Well, you know, we between two systems, we had that blizzard to the north, powerful system, the tornadoes to the southeast, and right in the middle, for the a large majority of the central part of the nation wind advisories, and in some places, a high wind warning. Now, they do a high wind warning when you get sustained winds 40 or 45 miles an hour sustained with gusts to 50 or 60. And that was happening down in Texas and some parts of Oklahoma, but we never got that much. Uh, I think the last thing that I looked at uh, from the National Weather Service in Springfield. Uh, Springfield got like a gust of 51, 53 or something, and we, Branson, got a gust of like 51 miles per hour. That is just totally insane. And and the wind shifted because the front, uh, the low-pressure system, system in the front went on to the northeast, and it shifted our winds from the southwest to the west and eventually to the northwest. And trash cans were blowing everywhere. We tried to tell everybody. Wigs were flying off. I, mean, I was flying off the road at 65, with it being north and south. The wind was coming uh, either from the southwest or southeast. It was, it was, it was not conducive for, for driving north and south because it was knocking me everywhere. Oh, that's right. You texted me. Now, you're in a van, yeah. right? I mean, a big, van, but... you're not in a high-profile vehicle, right. vehicle, and it was like pushing you around all over the road most definitely yeah and we had uh what, something else we do here at stormed our weather is personalized travel forecast and uh one gal took advantage of that we appreciate that we love it uh they were uh from dallas leaving from dallas texas going to nixa 
and was asking about, you know, the weather. And I said, man, it's going to be windy. <laughs> so I said, you're just going to be careful. So she was asking about different routes. And I said, you know, this storm system is so large. It doesn't matter where you're going to go. It's There's no be escaping. No, no. And so I kind of kept in touch with her uh, throughout her trip on Sunday. And they, they finally made it to Nixa that evening. And uh, they said, man, you were right. And it's like, hey, I'm just looking at the, <laughs> this hate to be massive a trailer. wind. I hate to be pulling a trailer in that wind. It had to be tough. Oh, my gosh, yes. And the wind coming from the, the west and the northwest, and she was traveling to the northeast. So I, I can imagine some of these gusts were trying to blow them right off the road. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. Well, I mean, there was some sign damage around town. I noticed the Cox Branson main sign on the building is is blown into pieces. It had oh, really? Fallen off the top of the high of the tower and, and just shattered somewhere in the wind. And then I saw another uh, sign at the hotel right on sixty five there in Hollister had the same problem. The sign was just you know gone. The, the the front cover it was just you could see the lights underneath, but the sign was gone. Yeah, and I'm curious about how many people actually lost their trash cans. Because we, we didn't issue a trash can alert. I mean, the, the wind advisory usurps that trash can alert. I And I told you that afternoon, it's like, you know, I'm going to put my trash can in the garage. Now, I don't know if you told me this or if I read this online from a friend, but they said that on average per mile, they saw three trash cans that didn't belong where they were. That's funny. Every mile. <laughs> that's so, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> You mean here in Branson or just... Uh, I'm thinking uh, Joplin area over Joplin. There. Yeah. Man, if you're right on that plateau, that wind is going to blow because there's no friction to slow it down. It was howling. It was howling at my house. Of course, I have screen. I have an outdoor room with screens, and it was just howling through those screens. It sounded so cool. And you uh, got a great recording of the wind here with the rustling and the wind. It I tried really to get... Nice. The, yes, I tried to get that because because the house... I mean, it wasn't shaking, but I could hear it creak. It's like, okay, this is weird. So I got my recording equipment, and I put it upstairs. I dragged everything from downstairs upstairs, put the microphone. You know, uh, we have one of those storm doors that you can unlatch from the top and pull down, and it's a screen at that point. So I I just kind of poked the uh, microphone there, and I kind of closed the door. And uh, turned the recording equipment on. But the problem is the wind was so strong, it kept blowing the, the the main door wide open. <laughs> I kept having to go and try to prop it up there. But, uh, yeah, I got several recordings on that. It's like, But what you could hear mostly was leaves. Right? I noticed that. It kind of sounded like rain on the recording. It did. It really did. I wanted to have that howl like you mm-hmm. were like you were saying, that you know, going through the trees and stuff. And I was not going to go outside. Yeah. No, the the good thing is there was, wasn't any precipitation with it. I mean, this was just wind. No, but it was stronger than some of the uh, warnings that we are severe warned for that we don't that aren't necessarily that are just marginally severe that don't reach that that actual wind speed exactly. that they're warning for. But but it was up there. Yeah, yeah, and usually in in, in a severe thunderstorm, I mean, uh, it's uh, fifty eight miles an hour or greater. But usually a thunderstorm doesn't last more than. Right, five ten minutes. Well, this was like howling all evening long, and something else I saw that I really want to talk about, which was fascinating to me. Um, a friend of mine sent this. Uh, it's uh, from Washington Post. A jet flew. Are you ready for this? Eight hundred and one miles per hour. It reached a record of eight hundred and one miles. Per hour that would freak me out well i think if you're up there you really don't realize that's happening <laughs> I, would, I, I would because i when i'm flying i like to hook to the plane wi-fi and get my gps out oh and, and, and see how fast i'm flying and exactly where i'm at you know i when i do it i, I i'm about 500 miles an hour yeah that's 300 miles an hour over that. That's crazy. Right. And it, it, it uh, but, you know, and people are saying, well, wait a minute, the speed of sound is only like 767 miles an hour. So what happened? Well, <clears throat> to try to explain all this, okay, the speed of sound is around six, 600 and, no, 767 miles per hour. Well, when you're up in the air, 
and the wind is at your back. Okay, I I wrote down some highlights from this Washington Post article that would probably make sense. Okay, planes fly between, you know, cruising altitude is between 30 and 35,000 feet. Now, that's way up there, and that's where the jet stream is. And where the jet stream is... There's that uh, the jet stream is a rapid column of air that's moving and sometimes over 200 miles an hour. And that's what it was doing. So when a plane gets up there and, you know, think, think about it like this, like uh, what's the example that they use? Um, I'm looking at this. Uh, if you where is it at? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're on a highway and there's just a straightaway. And you can just go and just floor it. I mean, we don't suggest that. I mean, go 70 miles an hour or the speed limit, whatever you're going. Uh, but if you have a tailwind, something that's pushing you along, you don't need as much propulsion to go because that wind is pushing you along. And I know a lot of us have also driven into the wind, and it just feels like that wind is pushing at you. Well, what happened was this jet was way up there in the sky traveling the same direction that the jet stream was going. So it was going at a measly, you know, 500 or 550 or whatever they, they cruise. It says here that they, uh, an ordinary cruising speed of a Dreamliner is 561 miles per hour with a maximum propulsion of 587. Well, when you get a 200 mile an hour wind at your tail, it's going to push you along. So technically, you can reach speed, an airspeed, faster than the speed of sound because on the ground you're going 801 miles per hour but in the air you're not going the speed of sound it's the air is moving with you so does that make any sense i mean you you, you i understand what you're saying you understand it, it's kind of a hard concept it, it, think of it as airspeed you're still going that fast if you're looking yeah up from the ground but up there you're just keeping up with the surroundings. That's what it is. Yeah. So it so in essence, if if okay, so if it was going eight hundred and one miles per hour and the jet stream was at two hundred and fifty miles an hour, then technically you're only going six hundred and fifty one miles per hour. So that's under the speed of sound. It's like if you're on a train. Okay. And you're at the back of the train and you take off running in a full sprint to the front of the train while the train's moving. You're moving faster than the train is, but you're only walking five miles an hour. See what I'm saying? Right, right. But but from outdoors, you're going fast, but that train is is what's pushing you. See what I'm saying? It, exactly. You can kind of subtract that from there. So, like you said, on the ground, you know, you're not moving. So if you look up, yeah, you're going 801 miles per hour. But if you're up and going in airspeed, you, it's it's 801 minus what the jet stream is. And I'm sure they saved a lot of gas that, that flight. Of yeah. Fuel. Matter of fact, the, um, what, what it said was the flight uh, arrived 48 minutes earlier than when it was supposed to. Wow. <laughs> 48 minutes earlier. Los Angeles to, to London? Uh, let me see. Yeah. No, uh, LAX to JFK. No, 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 no. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah, uh, I'm looking. I made all these notes and I can't see them. Yeah, Virgin Atlantic from Los Angeles to London peaked at a whopping 801 miles per hour. Let me let me ask you this. Okay, what if the roles were reversed and we were going from London to L.A. that night? Would you be flying against? Yes. Or maybe they would have. See, they know where that jet stream is. Maybe they would oh, yeah. have went a different route and kind of around it. They they were probably riding it on purpose. Oh, I'm sure they were. Yeah. Yeah, and I've heard of that too. That they can go around it if they're in, like you're saying, if they're in that that headwind, right? Because it would take. I mean, you may not land for three days. Yeah, because sure. <laughs> <laughs> it because it's it's pushing you pushing you right along. So do, does that make sense? Was is that a good explanation? I think so. Oh well, I think we need some applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I, I think. We Where did, did these people come from? I I don't know. I think we did pretty good with that. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, I've got a new toy. Uh, <laughs> I surprised Corey with this. It's a little uh, a little sound. It's called soundboard. So now I can put all sorts of little sounds and stuff in our podcast. Um, That's what we needed. 
Yeah, little, little here. I'm not going to do it all the time, but uh, <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on. How about the upcoming weather? Which uh, you texted me the other day. There is a mega blizzard in Reno. Well, in the Reno forecast area, that's for sure. Uh, two to four feet of snow, you know, for for the general population there. But if you're over seven thousand feet in elevation, they're thinking closer to six from six to eight feet of snow over three days. Wait, six to eight, eight feet, feet of, of snow. snow, and they're. Almost certain that that'll be whiteout conditions. You think? Well, <laughs> the possible 160 mile an hour winds would aid in that whiteout situation. 160 mile an hour winds? That's like a Cat 4 5 hurricane. That's a Cat, yeah, 5, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, 155 is a Cat 5, I think. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, okay. So, let me picture this here. In Reno, Nevada, they're going to have a mega blizzard. Well, Ab- close to Reno, not in Reno. Oh, yeah, 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 in, in, like in the mountains area. Above right. 7,000 feet, they're going to have four to eight feet of snow Correct. with winds 140 to 160 miles an hour. I'd like to just see that. I think there's some cameras out there somewhere. Surely. Well. Surely there's something. Well, I don't I, I don't know. I don't think that's really good skiing weather, personally. Uh, no, I don't think it's good anything weather. They said uh, you're up the creek if you want to travel. Is what they said. I don't even want to be in that area. I can't. I'm only a little under six feet tall. So if I'm going to have eight feet of snow, I don't really want. Uh, no, I don't. I don't need that. I wonder if anybody's living up there. That's that's the weird thing. You know, if you're living up I'm there, I'm not so sure of the area. I'm sure what the area they're talking about is pretty uh, rugged and rural, but I, I don't know for sure. Man. Well, you know, they, they wanted to ski. But this is like Nevada. This is right. not like Colorado. No. People want to ski in Colorado. I think I need to research Reno, the Reno area, a little bit <laughs> a little bit more to see if I even want to go out there. Now, that's northern Nevada, right? Las Vegas is southern. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, more it's, it's north of, of there. But that whole system, uh, not, not the 48 feet of snow, let's put it that way. That whole system is moving into, it's going to be moving uh, east, northeast, into the area. Now, we are not, here in Branson, going to experience any of that mess. Uh, <laughs> matter of fact, the in our, in our forecast, I mean, we're record, recording this on Monday, February 25th. Um, I really don't think we're going to see much out of that in particular because Tuesday night the forecast is saying maybe just maybe a passing shower, but temperatures are going to be so warm. I mean, warm meaning above freezing. I don't think we're going to, uh, we're not going to get anything out of it. But I will say, and you probably heard this too, March, which is meteorological, Spring is going to happen on Friday. Yay! Yeah, so we're like five days away from meteorological spring, not astronomical spring, meteorological spring. That's due to record keeping, and it's the first of March, and March means storm season, right? In my book, it does. Uh, I don't think it does in Mother Nature's book. Well, you just never know. No, because another big Arctic blast is coming down the pike. <laughs> She's just teasing us now. It's like, eh, you didn't get winter. You didn't get a big winter or so. Or, no. You know, <clears throat> no. Going to meteorological spring. Yeah. So what? What? what is that saying? March comes in like a snowman. What is it? Well, it can be either way. It can either come <laughs> out, come, come in like a lion and go out like a lamb, uh-huh. or it can be a reverse and come out, come in like a lamb and go out like a lion. Well, I wonder if... March comes in like a cold and like leaves at a warm or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of because we are going to go into the depths of Arcticville again. I mean, we're talking highs, high temperatures, okay, on Saturday and Sunday around the freezing mark and lows in the teens. And that's no fun. No. Uh, The forecast for Branson does call for maybe a little bit of precipitation in the form of snow. Uh, we're a long ways away. That's six days out. I don't, I'm not seeing snow at this point. I don't know what you're saying, but. I'm just seeing that today's Monday and that's 
Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, today's Monday. And as we know from watching the models, a lot can change, and it probably will. Uh, but we do know, the one thing we do know, colder temperatures are around the corner. But the good thing is, is I did look at the models. It's not going to last very long. I mean, it's going to come in Saturday-ish, last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then by Wednesday, we should be back in the mid-40s again, which we should because it's March. <laughs> it's March. So we're just going to have to keep an eye on that and and see what happens. Well, hopefully, if we do get any winter precipitation, it will fall of snow because a lot of people did want snow this year and they haven't gotten it i do too uh, hopefully it's not gonna fall like ice like harrison got a few days ago oh that's right with that huge i wasn't that weird well that's what i call a freak of nature i wasn't expecting a, i wasn't expecting any tree damage out of that system whatsoever no i wasn't expecting any accumulating ice really honestly i no. was expecting some flurries maybe i was expecting our rain to change over to snow not not ice Exactly, and I I even did the the uh, radio station parade. Mm-hmm. Then I mean I was on there talking. It's like you know the models and all the indications say the majority of the ice is probably going to be more in southern Missouri, but it's a classic example of what one degree fluctuation can make. When I first started, I would get rain with some sleet mixed in, but then it just changed to rain, which was yeah. Which we, we were expecting it to, to warm up and change to all liquid. Yeah, we knew that's what warm it did weather here. was coming. Yeah. Didn't have any ice on my mailbox this time around. I didn't have any ice on the yeah. on the sidewalk. But you go down south, just south of Hollister is where it all started. And it was such a sharp cutoff line. I mean, we we got. Uh, I mean, I was doing a show that night, and you texted me. And said, Harrison is under an ice storm warning. I'm like, what is that? That is so unexpected. And got some other texts that south of C of O towards the Branson Airport. Now, Branson Airport, uh, let me rail about that again, was reading 32 degrees right at that mark. They are kind of up on a mountain, and they are seven miles south of Branson. They were reading 32 degrees with freezing rain. Anything south of there, which was odd, was getting that ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, trees down in Ridgedale, uh, Harrison. But as soon as it got to Branson, we were sitting at thir- uh, proper, not the airport, 33 degrees. Wow. And I was in the show, and I, w- I was telling uh, Jason and, and Marty Hughes, everybody knows I play at the Hughes Brothers, but I was telling them, it's like, guys, you know, we need to like kind of hurry up this show because at this point, that temperature was so right at that critical point i didn't know if the colder air because it was colder down there i didn't know if that colder air was coming up here and if it did the roads it's themselves probably would not be affected because the road temperatures are warm but the problem is the less traveled roads like parking lots trees that's what it's the elevated surfaces that we always talk about that's what was being affected and that's exactly what was happening i mean the roads i think would have been totally fine you know what happens in branson when we get ice what's that the emergency room gets crazy with oh i bet with uh elderly people coming in with broken hips because they, they go out there and they mm-hmm. think they can they're solve. not local people oh they're not 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 normally probably if, if there are people in town they'll get out there and they'll slip and fall and they'll end up in the er and the hospital yeah, I bet it's Texas because people from Iowa and North Dakota and Minnesota, they probably know know what they're doing. <laughs> like the license plate parade. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know, I mean, that was just nuts. So I to recap on this weekend, I it's way too early to tell if anything significant is going to happen. I'm not feeling it. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, not because it's March, just because of the way the system is lined up. I don't think it's going to, going to do it. But... I will say we have some birds, spring birds, starting to come in. Didn't you say that you saw a robin? I did. I saw one yesterday. He was probably lost or too old to fly away, but he was there. Oh, at, at your pool? Uh, in my front yard. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're, we're going to start getting it. And the temperatures this week so far, I mean, it's 50, mid-50s today. Tomorrow could probably be Tuesday, could probably be close to 60 
you know, Wednesday is going to, you know, the clouds are going to start moving in with that new system or whatever. But I wanted to introduce, we have a new position here at Stormdar Weather. Oh, wow. It is called the Stormdar Weather Birdwatching Ambassador. That is a new position that I created to let someone be the bird watcher. Tell us what all these spring birds are coming in. So we want to... They know more than some forecasters. The, the birds do. And so we have our official Stormdar Weather bird watching ambassador is my mother in Springfield. Let's hear those birds again. So, Mom, I know you're listening. You need to let us know. As a matter of fact, she texted me, I think it was today, and she saw a finch ice skating in the bird bath. Now, Finch, I'm not a big bird guy. I don't know. I don't know. Are they not normally around in the winter? I don't know. I'm, I'm, guess, I'm guessing they're not. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't sound like a wintry type bird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my mom always talks about the finches and oh, stuff. Yeah. But, but you know, we're, it's uh, on the cycle of nature. Yes, we're springs. You know, the days are getting longer. That's the other thing we got to talk about, too. Probably next week that the daylight saving time is going to start back up. Yay. I know. I'm so excited. Whatever. You know, I may text my mother on during the weather school because I need to find out if a finch is a winter bird or just <coughs> lost or, or whatever. <laughs> well, we had a crazy, crazy, crazy fog the other day just because of that, uh, you know, the warm air punching in. And you said you couldn't even... See to drive. It I was, was having just, trouble for it sure. Was, it was crazy. So I wanted to bring back the uh, Stormdar Weather School of fog, how it creates, what types of fog there are, and just uh, do a little recap on that. So let's get to the weather school. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormdar Weather School. The National Weather Service has just put us under a dense fog advisory. Fog is a visible aerosol consisting of minute water droplets or ice crystals suspended in the air at or near the Earth's surface. Although it has no Latin name, fog can be considered a type of low-lying cloud, usually resembling stratus, and is heavily influenced by nearby bodies of water, topography, and wind conditions. In turn, fog has affected many human activities, such as shipping, travel, and warfare. By definition, fog reduces visibility to less than two-thirds of a mile, whereas mist causes lesser impairment of visibility. Fog forms when the difference between air temperature and the dew point temperature is less than four and a half degrees. Fog normally occurs at a relative humidity near 100%. This occurs from either added moisture in the air or falling ambient temperatures. However, fog can form at lower humidities and can sometimes fail to form when the relative humidity is at 100%. At 100% relative humidity, the air cannot hold additional moisture. Thus, the air will become supersaturated if additional moisture is added. Fog commonly produces precipitation in the form of drizzle or very light snow. Drizzle occurs when the humidity of fog attains 100% and the minute cloud droplets begin to coalesce into larger droplets. This can occur when the fog layer is lifted and cooled sufficiently or when it is forcibly compressed from above by descending air. Drizzle becomes freezing drizzle when the air temperature at the surface drops below the freezing point. Now let's talk about the different types of fog. There's radiation fog, 
and that is formed by the cooling of land after sunset by infrared thermal radiation in calm conditions with a clear sky. The cooling ground then cools adjacent air by conduction, causing the air temperature to fall and reach the dew point, forming fog. Radiation fog occurs at night, and it usually doesn't last long after sunrise, but it can persist all day in the winter months, especially in areas bounded by high ground. Radiation fog is most common in the autumn and early winter. Ground fog is fog that obscures less than 60% of the sky and does not extend to the base of any overhead clouds. However, the term is usually a synonym for radiation fog, which is very shallow. In some cases, the depth of the fog is on the order of tens of centimeters over certain kinds of terrain with the absence of wind. Advection fog occurs when moist air passes over a cool surface by advection wind and is cooled. It's common as a warm front passes over an area with significant snowpack. It's most common at sea when moist air encounters cooler waters, including area of cold water upwelling, such as along the California coast. A strong enough temperature difference over water or bare ground can also cause advection fog. Evaporation fog, or steam fog, forms over bodies of water overlain by much colder air. This situation can also lead to steam devils forming. Lake effect fog is of this type, sometimes in combination with other causes like radiation fog. Frontal fog forms in much the same way as a stratus cloud near a front when raindrops falling from relatively warm air above the frontal surface evaporate into cooler air close to the Earth's surface and cause it to become saturated. This type of fog can be the result of a very low frontal stratus cloud subsiding to the surface level in the absence of any lifting agent after the front passes. Ice fog forming in very low temperatures can be the result of other mechanisms mentioned here, as well as the exhalation of warm, moist air by herds of animals. It can be associated with the diamond dust form of precipitation, in which very small crystals of ice form and slowly fall. Freezing fog, which deposits rime, is composed of droplets of supercooled water which freezes to surfaces on contact. Depending on the concentration of the droplets, visibility in fog can range from the appearance of haze to almost zero visibility. Many lives are lost each year worldwide from accidents involving fog conditions on the highways, including multiple vehicle collisions. The aviation travel industry is affected by the severity of fog conditions, even though modern auto-landing computers can put an aircraft down without the aid of a pilot. Personnel manning an airport control tower must be able to see if aircraft are sitting on the runway awaiting takeoff. Safe operations are difficult in thick fog, and civilian airports may forbid takeoffs and landings until conditions improve. So let's talk about record extremes. The foggiest place in the world is Hamilton, New Zealand, followed closely by the Grand Banks off the coast of Newfoundland, which is the meeting place of the cold Labrador current from the north and the much warmer Gulf Stream from the south. Some of the foggiest land areas in the world include Argentina and Point Reyes, California, each with over 200 foggy days per year. So the next time you're out driving in foggy conditions, then remember this. Slow down and turn on your headlights on the low beams. In zero visibility, you may not see a stopped car in front of you. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormed Our Weather School. And there's your foggy Stormed Our Weather School. Um, lots of fog. Yeah, hard to drive in fog. Very hard. 
Yeah, it is. So it's time for the next segment, which is This Week in Weather History. So, Corey, what you got? I'm glad you asked. This Week in Weather History in Mason City, Iowa, back in 1977, there was a tornado. Mm. Now, it was an F1 tornado. Back then, they didn't have the E. Yeah. It damaged a home, injuring one person inside. I tell you that to tell you this. It's the only February tornado ever recorded in Iowa. In Iowa, this week in weather history. I didn't believe it, so I did my own research. Okay. Well, this was in 1977. Well, it's no longer true. Ah. There is now two tornadoes. In recorded Iowa history in February. In February, okay. One happened in uh, on February 28th, uh, 2017. So only oh. two recorded tornadoes in the history of record keeping ever in February in Iowa. Interesting. I thought that was just, uh, that blew me out of the, out of the water. I, I, I was, I mean, a February tornado is not unheard of. No. Now a lot of them happen, you know, down southeast of here in the in the deep exactly. south. Exactly, it's the southern states that get most of it. But that still surprised me. They must have had a really powerful, powerful system that moved, that moved through. I mean, in February. I mean, we've had January tornadoes around here, but we're right. more in Tornado Alley than well, Iowa is Tornado Alley as well. Yeah, right on the but northern, they're the though. northern, and it's still cold and snowy up there. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that that I was I was shocked by that. That it was the only in recorded history. That's 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 a long time. Yeah, but two years ago was the other one. Two years ago, and it wow. was on the last day of February. So, yeah. but not leap year. It wasn't the last day of like 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 our tornado. Yeah, it was no. not not leap year. <laughs> God, that was almost seven years ago. Can you believe that? Which, if it was not on leap day, if it was any other year, it would have been on meteorological. Spring. Spring, the very first day, <laughs> the very first couple hours of it. Actually, it happened at one forty-five a.m. That's so. true. Yeah. Hey, do you know what time meteorological spring occurs? I do believe it's at uh, midnight this year. That's right. That's right. It's not like astronomical because uh, the astronomical goes with the with the moon and the tide and everything. But rec- like we said before, for record keeping. Uh, that that's one aspect. I'm going to do a weather school on the meteorological seasons next week, so that's going to be a really interesting thing. And we're going to have to start thinking about something else that's coming up. We're almost ready to go into daylight saving time again. It's getting close. I'm looking forward to it. It's already staying light just after 6 p.m., which means makes me start thinking spring. Yeah. But, but then when we help it along and, and spring forward our yeah, clocks. that's second Sunday. So we've got one, yeah, we got one more podcast before we actually, when we recorded, it could be daylight when we start recording wow. it again. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Okay, it's time for our next segment. It's the weather word of the week. And this week's Stormdar weather weather word of the week is... Seish. Seish. How do you spell that? Uh, it's kind of like a Seiko clock. No. Oh, no. It's S-E-I. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It looks like it's spelled Seichi. Yeah, it does. S-E-I-C-H-E. Must be a French word or something. I don't but, know. Uh, Seish. Seish. And know. what it is... The Webster Dictionary defines it as an oscillation of the surface of a landlocked body of water, you know, such as a lake that varies in in period from a few minutes to several hours. So, tell me what that I exact is. Is it variation of the level or? Yeah, when when a wave, I I don't fully understand it. But it it doesn't it happens like in a lake or like Lake Erie, and I, I got to give credit to Mike Griffin, our meteorologist, because he turned me on to this because uh, he's in Cleveland, and they're going to have this event, or they already had this event on Lake Erie. And I'm sure it happens a lot more up here than it would. I mean, that's a huge yeah. huge lake. Yeah, it, it's just an oscillation when. I think he said the wind, but it could be pressure 
Again, I'm going to have to look at that again. But when the pressure changes rapidly or the wind increases, it causes the waves to do a certain thing, and they it, it's just like an oscillation of. I can see that. Yeah, uh, he he said what what what's going to happen is once this wave action goes and starts, the lake will drop about five feet, lake level. Very interesting. And then the lake will rise about five, you know, five more feet or whatever. He said it's kind of like a micro tsunami in a way. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I think I need to really do a weather school on that because I I don't fully understand it, but I kind of understand what's going on. It has to do with you know the the the, the physics of the moving water, uh, the water in um, you know compared to the atmospheric pressure and the wind on it and stuff. So I may make that a weather school. It's very cool. Yeah, I'm going to have lots of weather schools. You know, I have another weather one of the week. Ooh, what's that? Rufalanche. Rufalanche. Yeah. Have you heard of that before? I heard about it the other day. I think that's a really, really good, good word. Yes, thank you. Yes. I mean, it yes. sounds weird. It sounds like they just put two words together. Actually, but. when you sent me that, <laughs> yeah, really, that, that, that article about those tons of four to eight feet of snow, that was one of the words on there, and I thought, is this really a word? And you sent me the actual text. Was that from the Weather Service? Yeah. Well, I thought it was a when when a roof would collapse under the you know, large amounts of snow, but it's yeah. not. It's it's when a, a, um, you get a mini avalanche off of a roof, and it damages whatever is below your roof line. Oh, so it's snow falling. Yeah, it's snow falling off your roof onto oh, and damaging gosh. other things. It's a, it's a roof avalanche. That's <laughs> exactly what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were kidding at first when you told me that. And it's like, wait a minute. No, they're actually saying this. Yeah. It's a roof avalanche. Yeah. I mean, I've never heard of it around here, but I guess, you know, we don't get all that much of snow. I mean, we don't get any if, snow. If you, are you kidding? If you live in those areas, I'm sure you've probably heard that term before. We haven't got any snow around here in the past three years. It's been 84 years. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm going to do after the podcast? I'm going to go to YouTube. I'm going to YouTube and I'm going to enter Rufalange. There you go. And I want to see that. So we, I don't know if there's anything up there, but you know, all our listeners, yeah, go R O O F Alanche. So, <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, that's it. Um, hey, I texted my mother during the weather school and she texted me back because I asked her, uh, I said, uh, she said the finches, you know, were ice skating on the thing. And I asked her, are, do the finches slide, uh, fly south for the winter or do they ever leave? And she said she's not sure where they go, but she does not see the finches in the wintertime. I think they go to Kirbyville. Uh, or Ridgedale. Yes. Mm, you know, I mean, uh, but she said the chickadees will hang around all winter. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and then, uh, I told her, thanks. I'm putting it on the podcast. And then she says, the birds really don't know what to do. This weather's crazy. <laughs> uh, she said she saw the finches yesterday. Spring must be getting close. And that's what we want her to do. Being the storm dark weather official bird watching ambassador. She's going to keep us updated on all the, you know, it would worry me if she, if she came in with the report of, I haven't seen a bird in three days. That would worry me. Yeah. That would be scary, actually. Because <laughs> be. <laughs> we don't know what's coming. Are we uh, going to have a snowstorm? Are we going to have an earthquake? We don't know. A tornado. You know those earthquakes? Animals know. Somehow. They're, you know, there's they got to be. the earth something. Yeah, yeah. There's something going on way in the earth because animals are much more sensitive than we are. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're so distracted on everything else but they feel it and that's why they freak out it's like something is not right and i am a firm believer that if the animals are acting really weird pay attention there's something and we've talked about that on the facebook page just with household pets exactly you know, when when storms are approaching or we could have some stormy weather approaching the pets they start acting strange they do i don't know i don't know what it is but good for pets. I don't have any pets, right. so you don't have any pets, right? Not anymore. No, I'm going to have to tag my friends who have pets. My wife gets out of line sometimes. She starts acting weird. Well, she, she's, she's really? not a fan of the storms. 
Of yeah. course, she doesn't know it's going to storm unless she looks at our page. So, I mean, she doesn't just ask you. Well, sometimes if she's in the mood to to ask, she's usually on Facebook. She says, oh, it's going to storm this weekend. It's like oh, I, that's what Randy says. Well, I'm just looking at the data. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that. No, that's... I, I usually tell her before we make it public information. I go, now there's a chance, right? I'm not hyping you up or anything. No. But there's a chance that we could have catastrophic weather on Saturday. It's like, no. no. And that, the chance that never happens. Maybe but, like 2%. Right. If that. <laughs> I, like uh, to, I like to scare sometimes. Yeah. No, but you know what I, what I like to do too? I like to tease. And I got to tell people, you showed me something tonight. I'm not going to say what it is yet. But it's incredible and I am so impressed. And we're going to unveil it. At some point, we're, I think we're going to make a big deal about this. And, well, we uh, should. Uh, it's really pretty big for us, and you're doing all the work, it's, and it looks fun. fantastic. It does. So It'll help. I mean, it'll come in handy for, you know, spring, storm season. For a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. for everything. So so I'm doing a little teaser right now. We're gonna, we'll tease it on our Facebook page uh, and uh, let everybody know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm impressed. We need to get some more pictures. That's the thing. I'm just gonna say, get some more pictures. We'll get our cameras out. And go. <laughs> oh, I think it's about time to wrap this up. You got anything else? Um, I'm gonna get my coat back out and bundle up for the first week of meteorological spring. Yeah, and if you need a coat, we have them at our Stormed Our Merch store. Oh, very, very uh, good. Yes, and we have. Well, we don't have caps yet. We we need really need caps. I want a cap, but we got all sorts of shirts. I can get caps, but they're kind of too 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 high priced for my liking. I'm trying to bring that price down before yeah, we put them on there. We need to streamline. So so visit our site at Stormed Our Store dot bigcartel.com and buy our stuff so we can get new equipment and I can get new things huh. for us <laughs> for the podcast and for the site uh, yeah we're going to need that okay I think it's about time to wrap this thing up be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your news feed you can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. <laughs>